0: I'm Baharudin, and this is Gigi Well Played, BFM's video game show. In this episode, we'll be rounding up some of the biggest news and releases from the month of July with Jonathan Leo from kakuchopore.com. Let's start with the recap of the news and with the story involving Ubisoft's Skull & Bones.
1: I believe so, yes. So Skull & Bones finally has a November release date, which is, like I said, November 8th of this year. This game has been in... I want to say a friend... I mean, I can't say put it any more friendlier or nastier. Uh, a very long development cycle in, stuck in Heckler. Like it's been stuck in development hell for quite a bit. Allegedly, from 2014 onward, after Assassin's Creed Black Flag, some teams wanted to make a game out of the ship combat and make it very pirate-based and outside of the Assassin's Creed universe. So they had this idea, Skull and Bones, and they, the game actually had an E3 presentation in 2018, had the producer coming on board, talking about how it's going to be a great pirate game, the ultimate pirate game. And then there was a lot of silence from 2019 onward up till now. So of course, as you've known, Ubisoft had a bit of trouble in terms of its workplace culture from 2019 onward, including the Ubisoft Singapore office, which is making the game. And then... They made the announcement earlier this July with the release date. They showed off close to an hour of gameplay or 40 minutes or so, as well as some developers talking about their experiences. And just to remind you, these are totally brand new faces from the 2018 production team and presentation. So to keep things short, the game had a bit of a troubled history of development because people do not know what to do. With a pirate game concept like this, people wanted something like an open world pirate game. They wanted ship battles and then people just cannot meet eye to eye. And then a bunch of news stating that apart from the harassment, people treated Ubisoft Singapore as a resort for the Ubisoft, Quebec, Montreal and the Montpelier team. So there's a lot of issues going on.
0: Welcome to Skull and Bones. Our game takes place during the golden age of piracy in a world inspired by the beautiful yet dangerous Indian Ocean. You'll start your journey as an outcast whose goal is to become the most infamous pirate to sail these treacherous
1: waters. And when I saw the gameplay trailer, I wasn't really impressed because I was expecting, like, the be all and all, the better version of. Um, Sea of Thieves from Rare and Xbox but all I see is just something from Assassin's Creed Black Flag just made new and if they actually charge 60 US for this it's going to be a it's not going to be looking good and though you know what the worst part is Hanif it's actually in between two major release dates Bayonetta 3 on October 28th for Nintendo Switch and God of War Ragnarok on November 9th for PlayStation 4 and 5 Yes, these are games from different genres compared to a pirate game, but when you think about it, if you have 60 US to spend, which one are you going to spend it on? Established franchises or a game that looks like it's made from the skeletons from 2014? <laughs> I mean, you gotta be honest here. I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you saw the gameplay and everything?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, I guess it's a no-brainer that, that, that obviously we would spend it on other games. But the thing is, um, this game is meant to be a A title from
1: Ubisoft, right? Yes, it is. I mean, hence the big stage presentation on 2018's E3. The fact that it was hyped up to be one of Singapore's greatest contribution and the fact that Ubisoft got a... Singapore government grant money to make this game in particular. And the fact that it took them this long, I mean, I'm not even counting 2014 to 2018. I'm talking more like the development from 2016 up till now, which is, I think it's about six years, seven years or so. It's insane. Like how they actually got around. I'm surprised how tolerable the Singapore government is about this so it's you know I mean I'm not saying anything concrete but you know it could be favors happening you know from the government and, and you know from the game studio development and whatnot but who knows who knows anyway the point is the game's coming out on November the 8th I think this looks like a game dead on arrival what do you think
0: <laughs> well I mean it's a bit too too early to to assume that I guess I don't know I mean I mean maybe 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 just because I don't think we don't have that much um pirate team games apart from Sea of Thieves maybe but but maybe it'll it'll be able to, I guess, yeah, you know, survive the market for a bit. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think at this point, people are a bit more interested with the, I guess, the news and the stories surrounding the game rather
1: than the game itself, right? That is true. That is true. I think the only few things that could save it is if they charge it, like how they charge Overwatch the first time around, like treat it like, I guess, 30 or 40 US and then give all the updates within the next five years. Sea of Thieves survived because of its persistence and the fact that it catered to a niche that people wanted: a free-form open-sailing pirate game. Skull and Bones, I think it's just the ship battles we've seen so far. I mean, if they expand upon the, you know, the open-world pirate combat on land and boarding, basically what you've seen in the Assassin's Creed black flag, which you should actually play instead. I think Skull and Bones might have a sliver of a chance to survive the next. One year or so. Otherwise, if it's going out the way as is, it won't even survive six months.
0: <laughs> so it, it's been quiet for quite a while. Why did it suddenly have a release date announced? Yeah. I'm oh,
1: interested. that's <laughs> easy. Because Sing- the Singapore government is cashing out. They want to ask for the returns. And if the game does not release before the March fiscal year for Ubisoft next year, the Singapore government can take action, can take legal action, mind you because of this uh, dilly-dallying and delays.
0: Mm, I see. We've seen things like this happening before, especially with, I think, Cyberpunk, right? So this is... We can perhaps, I guess, anticipate that this is going to be another Cyberpunk. Um,
1: probably won't be as buggy, but it'll be underwhelming, to say the least. Because ship battles, yes, they might look fun, but there's only so much you can do with that if you don't offer something like what... A game like Sea of Thieves or even... Pirates, the Sid Meier's Pirates back in 2003-04 would offer. If a game from 2003 has more content than what you're releasing this year, you have problems. I'll just say this. Ah, this is so interesting. (laughs) It is, it is. It should actually be its own topic in the future. But let's move on. Let's talk about Tomonobu Idagaki, the creator of the Dead or Alive series and the guy who rebooted Ninja Gaiden back in 2003 onward. So he has made a return to video games with a new studio called Apex Game Studios. Its first ever game is a project, it's a mobile and PC MMORPG project called Warrior. And it's going to be NFT and Web 3.0 games focused. So the game offers players a Pokemon collection mechanic system involving mob servants, like, you know, your AI partners or whatnot you can collect, like Pokemon, which also happens to be the game's NFTs. So to quote the website and Tomonobu Igagaki's uh, game studio, the Warrior Project is about to make its initial decentralized exchange offer or IDO and released the first alpha version and a series of giveaway events are ongoing to the communities. Itagaki expressed that one of the main characteristics a blockchain game must have to succeed is to be a real game that is fun and attracts attention. Precisely what this team wants to achieve with Warrior. So the game teaser came out and uh, yeah, it looks like what you expect from a low-tier mobile MMORPG online game. It doesn't look good. I'll just say that. I mean, there's room for improvement. This is like, just started. So who knows? Maybe in the next few months or so, we might see some improvements. But yeah, the character trailer and whatnot, it's, you know, you know, trailers are supposed to actually hype people up for a game. This does the exact opposite. (laughs) We have also a news about Nintendo, who plans to acquire CG animation studio Dynamo Pictures, Because they want to adapt more of its gaming media. So Dynamo Pictures has helped create a variety of productions like Studio Ghibli's Earwig and the Witch. The first ever 3D Studio Ghibli movie near Replicant and a lot more CGI stuff for video games. It also did motion capture work and did produce Ghost in the Shell, Death Stranding and Resident Evil games. So Nintendo's acquisition of the studio is expected to go through later this year. So I believe with Nintendo's upcoming Super Mario game, as well as the success of Detective Pikachu, I believe Nintendo just wants to buy in early. They want like their own studio. So Dynamo Pictures will be renamed, I believe, a Nintendo Pictures. Mm. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Nintendo going into the movie business. I'm surprised that it has taken them this long to actually
0: capitalize on on their IPs, right? I mean, they could have just done this a long time ago if you think about it.
1: They... Did with the 1994 Super Mario Brothers movie <laughs> starring Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo which wasn't good. I mean, it's it's fine as a so bad it's good kind of movie. I can see where they're going with the direction, but the movie did not need four writers, let's just say that. <laughs> and it's a bit more goofy. I think I don't know if it's trying to play rough or goofy. It's going for the whole eraser head, max headroom sort of vibe, but not for an all-ages kids movie last. So I guess Nintendo, after so many years after being burned by that movie, they're finally going back to this. I think it's good. Lah. It's a long time coming They're They're going to face their fears. So, I mean, the 3D Mario movie, at the very least, it'll make money regardless of quality because it's being made by the studio that animated the Minions movie. And if you and I are not really into the Minions movie, it doesn't really matter. It's making money. <laughs> That's the most important thing. So Nintendo likes that. So there you go. It's going to be a success regardless. Mm, and it seems like, yeah, gaming companies
0: are beginning to, I guess, um yeah, start get, getting into the mo- movie industry again, right, I suppose. I mean, Sony also is, like, developing films from their franchises.
1: Yeah, yeah, and Capcom to an extent because uh, there was the Netflix Resident Evil show which is getting uh, quite a bit of talk, mostly bad, but, you know, <laughs> it's still talk nonetheless. And, yeah, this, this is actually... Come to think of it, it's uh, actually an ongoing trend with uh, Arcane League of Legends and even the mm. Dota uh, TV shows. So it's more like a natural progression. I mean, Nintendo has to come into the limelight, especially with the uh, Universal Studios funfair and the fact that they have dabbled into other mediums and whatnot. So it's it makes sense. It makes sense to go into the movies. It makes sense for them to buy a CG studio to make nothing but Nintendo products and Nintendo animations. So... Who knows, we might see a Nintendo Netflix episodic series coming out soon. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Let's see what else we got. Let's see, we have Red Dead Redemption and GTA 4. See, Rockstar Games is supposed to make remasters for those two games, but the production for these were halted halfway because of the GTA Trilogy Definitive Edition's reception. And we had definitely covered those games before, right?
0: Mm. I'm just a bit... Sad because I always want to play GTA 4. I've never played GTA 4, so I was actually waiting for maybe a remaster of, of that game as well as Red Dead redemption. So this, this is yeah, really bad news for me lah. But I guess I can understand why though.
1: <laughs> you can technically play GTA 4, but you have to jump through a lot of hoops because this because GTA 4 on the PC was a games for Windows title, and there was a lot of like issues running Games for Windows games. So I think you have to open up a whole chat for that in the future. But yeah, I think the only way you can play GTA 4 and even Red Dead Redemption is to pull out a Xbox 360 or a PS3 just to <laughs> replay those games. Also, the productions were halted halfway partly because Rockstar Games want to put all hands on deck for Grand Theft Auto 6, unsurprisingly, because Rockstar has mentioned time and again that they will be releasing GTA 6. And when that game is out, which I'm predicting will come out end of 2023, or at least some news will come out at the end of 2023, we will eventually get the Red Dead Redemption and GTA 4 remasters. So it's not really a matter of coming out or not. It will come out. It's just a matter of when. Because Rockstar loves money and making remasters is a great way to make money with not that much effort. But they have to be careful. Otherwise, you know, they get the same experience they did with GTA Trilogy Definitive Edition,
0: right? Yeah, that game is still not properly fixed
1: yet, right? Uh, They're slowly fixing it, I guess, so we'll <laughs> see. I haven't touched it since launch, so I don't know how, how, how it went on. So moving on, John Romero is going back to making a first-person shooter game because the last game he made wasn't really good. It was an old game called Daikatana around the 2000 era, and it was delayed for so long, and then when it came out, it basically killed the hype, let's just say that. (laughs) So he has a new studio called Romero Studio and is teaming with a major publisher to develop an all-new first-person shooter with an original new IP. He is currently hiring for all experience levels all across the world, especially those with Unreal Engine 5 experience. So I kind of want to mention this here on public radio so that Everyone can, you know, try to apply. You know, John Romero has is a guy who seems to learn his lesson. He knows what he's doing. One half of the Master of Doom, because he is an iconic guy who made Doom, Wolfenstein, and all your favorite '90s and 2000 FPS's FPS games, especially Quick, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Did you have any experience with the 2000 and the '90s era first-person shooters? I
0: remember playing Return to Castle Wolfenstein during that era, the the 90s era, and also a
1: bit of Doom. In
0: fact, I I recently played the old school Doom, which is kind of fun as well. Oh,
1: it is is so fun. Yeah, the music and everything. It's pretty classic. And I think they're running... You can actually run the game now on a Samsung refrigerator, <laughs> I think. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the point is, yeah, it's good that John Romero is coming back to making a first-person shooter. He's really good at the level design and the creativity and the monsters and all the the pacing of the action. He's just not... At the time now when he was making Daikatana, he wasn't disciplined. Whereas his partner... Uh, John Carmack was better at making things the programming side so I believe what he needs to the people he need to hire are of course the second John Carmack or like the second coming of John Carmack or maybe Carmacks plural you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. like anyone with really good programming experience and Unreal Engine 5 experience as long as they don't change the engine I think he'll be fine the game will come out within two years or less and there's actually quite a bit of a resurgence of 90s shooters like with I guess Ultra Kill is the one that's stuck in my mind. That's still an early access. It's a really fun game. Like, imagine Doom meets Devil May Cry in terms of style points and doing combos and stuff. So those kind of shooters are coming out. You've got, like, Iron Maiden um, and a couple of others. Ah, Fashion Police is another one. Fashion Police Squad, where it's, like, 2D graphics, but the gameplay is made for 2022 with the controls and everything. So even the even the old low poly three D games are also making a comeback, the first person shooters in the two thousands. So it's a good time as any to make a new first person shooter in that regard. Mm, you expect it to be to be more retro style rather than the more modern Triple E style. Well, it really depends. Um, I guess when they mention Unreal Engine five, it's gonna be three D, but in terms of gameplay mechanics and core, it might end up looking like Doom 2016, the 2016 version of Doom and mm. Doom Eternal. Because those games are basically mimicking what Quake would be like if they had to the do Doom aesthetic, the controls and everything, so. Now, the next story is more or less analog gaming, but it's still tied into video games. The d board game and PC gaming uh, franchise that spawned, you know, many PC RPGs is getting a new movie for 2023. It's called Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves and is distributed and published by Paramount Pictures. It stars Chris Pine as a bard, Michelle Rodriguez as a fighter, Sophia Lillis as a druid who polymorphs to a owlbear, Justice Smith as a mage, Reach Jean Page as a paladin, apologies if I did not pronounce his name correctly, and Hugh Grant as possibly a nobleman rogue. So what I really like about the trailer that debuted literally yesterday at the time of recording is that it actually brought back all the elements of D&D, of a D&D tabletop and a PC game where you've got like the party who made a mistake and then they had to fix your own mistakes because of a previous campaign. And then they have all the powers and the skills like they even brought back the monsters like the black from the from the classic franchise like the black dragon or the acidic breath the displacer beast the gelatinous cube and even the mimic which is actually a treasure chest when you open it it actually has like teeth and the tongue to you know eat greedy treasure hoarders so i mean you've played a lot of nd campaigns right i'm guessing or even played Icewind Dale or baldur's
0: gate Um, not really, actually. Uh, I have a friend who's into the tabletop RPG,
1: uh, the D&D RPGs, but uh, I personally am not, actually. (laughs) Well, in any case, this movie looks, I mean, if you see, just watch the trailer. I mean, see what you think about it. I personally Mm. feel that it looks really, really awesome. It's very promising because it's just using a simple premise. It's a heist movie. And, you know, uh, right the wrongs kind of movie, action adventure kind of thing. A little bit of comedy here and there with all the tropes from a D&D game and from the franchise, from the PC games and the tabletop game coming in to full circle. So it looks really impressive. And when I saw the bear in action, that was pretty awesome. So it's, it's, it's very promising to say the least. All right. Okay. And uh, I guess we got a couple more to we can wrap it up. So the Mortal Kombat movie from 2021 is getting a sequel and the show's original director, Simon McCoy, is coming back to the arena to direct the film. There's no release date or cast set in stone just yet, but I at least my prediction is it's going to continue on with the story of the first Mortal Kombat where they actually go to the outer realm to fight in the tournament itself. So they probably will have to face Shao Kahn and... Kintaro, probably all the outer Worlders and whatnot. Quan Chi, Shinnok, all the lore characters from the storyline and whatnot. So that, that should be interesting. And they might even bring back a Sub-Zero because um you know, in the Mortal Kombat storyline, the first Sub-Zero is replaced by his brother. And unlike his brother, he's actually a good guy. So like an anti-hero you know so we might Sub-Zero might come back because you need to bring in back the ninjas you got Scorpion and Sub-Zero they're like the faces of Mortal Kombat (laughs) true I agree And the last piece of news would be PlayStation buys esports platform, repeat.gg. So repeat.gg is a platform where it's built as an esports for everyone kind of tool. So it offers users to compete for cash prizes across online games, asynchronous esports tournaments. So that means players can compete even if they aren't online at the same time and also keep tracks of players in-game stats and award them based on performances so it's like an easy tool for people to make tournaments and whatnot. So the acquisition is because repeatgg.gg needed more resources, game titles, and tech to grow the in-house team and to push and to quote-unquote push repeat.gg to new directions. So with all this esports thing going on, I mean, do you suspect um, these kind of tools popping up in the future or like a be-all, and all esports tool? Are you, I mean, are you familiar with tools like Challenge or Smash.gg? Well I mean not those uh, tools specifically but I I have
0: spoken to other I guess similar like you know uh developers that made that kind of tool
1: for for esports gamers yeah Uh, Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So, I mean, there's not much for me to say except that as long as it's a tool that's easy for people to use, there's a market there. And it's a really good spotlight for Repeat.gg because PlayStation has a lot of games. And they are also the same guys who are running this year's Evolution Championship Tournament. So I guess it kind of ties in from esports to fighting games you know i'm doing you know i'm saying here yeah yeah timing wise is is kind of perfect right yes it's perfect so imagine all the street fighter tournaments and all the fighting games that you can run on a playstation will be you know running easily through repeat.gg so it's a good windfall for the company that was Jonathan Leo from kakuchopere.com looking back at some of the
0: biggest gaming news this month. We're going to make way for some messages. After this, some of the games that were released in July, including Stray and Power Wash Simulator. Yes, you heard me right. Stay tuned. This is GG Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to GG Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharuddin. Jonathan Liu, content writer at kakuchopuri.com, joins me on this month's roundup of some of the biggest news and releases from July. Let's move on to games that were released this month and let's start with the adorable and unique stray.
1: Yes, yes, let's talk a game about Cats, which is about... Uh... You control a stray cat who is stuck in a dystopian underground world filled with robots and your objective is to get out. So the game itself controls like a 3D action platformer kind of title. It's an adventure game where you explore your surroundings, do cat-like things. I mean, all all your cat can do is just run really fast and jump. And also, there's a dedicated meow button. So every single puzzle in the game is tailored after your cat's abilities to jump, evade, escape... And you know, push things to you know, annoy people. So that's actually a very simple puzzle where you actually have to meow at the right time to make a robot drop a paint bucket, so that when it drops on the floor, you actually make a guy come out to clean it. And then yeah, as a cat, you have to actually quickly go into the place, collect an item inside the room, and get out. So that's just one example of how a puzzle is in Stray. So it's a kind of really chillax vibe. The art style is pretty interesting. I mean, if you're into a bit of sci-fi and having a stranger in the strange land sort of thing going on, and really atmospheric music, and a really chillax environment, and then I believe Stray would be the game that's perfect for you. It's available for PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and PC. And if you're... I mean, I mean, especially if you're a cat lover, you should buy it. But because it's a really well-made adventure game, I think its only issue is it can be a bit too short. You can finish it in about under five hours. But there are actually some replay bits here and there like you can that's a quest where there's an achievement you can get by completing game in under two hours and there's a lot of collectibles in the game so I don't want to spoil so much I'll just say just get it now if you're into cute and very poignant adventure games if you're into a breezy good time and if you like cats uh, or pets especially all
0: oh, right, yeah, I I just downloaded the game. Haven't had the time to play it yet, but I yeah definitely gonna play it because I think it's rare that we get to play as animals, right? You know, if you think about it, we always play as humans or like robots or whatnot. I don't know. It's just maybe that's just me.
1: For a game that where you play an animal and you actually remember the experience, the last time I played an animal in a game is probably Tokyo Jungle for the PS three, and mm. that that was a pretty interesting game. But Stray itself, it's very memorable. I actually am putting this game as one of my in my top 10 list for best games of 2022 it did what I need to do and it delivered and then you get the feels uh, when you play the game and you actually are given an AI companion called B12 who can help you translate what the robots are talking so that as the audience we know what the robots are saying and we know how to do this quest here and there and then when you press a meow button there are some things the environment and even the robot will sort of make some noise or bling to tell you where you need to go next So, in case you're stuck, just press the meow button. When in doubt, meow your hearts out. (laughs) Okay, that's a good tip. (laughs) All right. Coming to you live above the streets of Buckingham, where a phreatic eruption from a long-presumed dormant volcano threatens this usually serene neighborhood. The question everyone's asking right now is, who's going to clean up this mess? And uh, let's see what else we got. We have a game called Power Wash Simulator published by Square Enix mind you it's a PC Xbox and PlayStation title it was an early access on PC but this, this month it's out in full force so it's like gone gold so it's a game where you actually have a power hose and you wash a plethora of things that's it you <laughs> see a dirty object you clean it up you get money you move on to the next object and environment it's the kind of power hose you find in a car wash shop all over Malaysia so that's all you do you wash the thing there's no time limit there's a variety of locations and objects you clean and there's multiplayer, I believe it's up to eight players or six, I don't quite remember. But yeah, there's a multiplayer element in power wash simulated. So Wait, there, are a... no, there, there are no like unique challenges, like competitive challenges or something, no. Well, I played the game for about an hour or so. Then I mean, yes, you clean each part here and there, but nothing unique. I mean you can upgrade your hose, and there's a bit of a like a, the whole skinner box kind of reward where if you clean one section, you hear a thing sound. So that's about it. I mean, there are some weird places you can clean things, like you can go to the moon or is it Mars to clean a Mars rover. I don't know how that works, but that's one of your missions apparently. And there's a bit of a narrative going on with the text messages that you get while you're cleaning the van or when you're cleaning the garden or the Mars rover. So it's an interesting game to say the least. And <laughs> it's it's it's. I think it's reviewed positively. You see the Steam review. that's like what thousand and seven hundred positive reviews yeah <laughs> i mean you mentioned chillax for
0: for for stray i think sometimes games like this also can also be quite relaxing, relaxing it's well cathartic <laughs> to say
1: the least yes you are yeah. relaxing to clean the van or the object you're at with the sound you can change the power like the hose to like different types like it can be vertical horizontal you have different strengths it's yeah it's you know relaxing it, it's like the kind of game where you don't want to do the real life thing but you want to do the, you want to do the virtual version <laughs> yeah. of it which seems more fun for some reason yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's weird yes, it's, exactly. it's a weird world <laughs> that we're living in yes I mean when I wash yeah. dishes there's a bit of a catharticness to it but I have to worry about the water bill sometimes yeah. so this game you don't have to worry about the water bill let's uh, just say that
0: correct alright okay moving on
1: Earth the not so distant future Solar flares and overcrowding have destroyed the world's food supply. From our secret lab at Ingest Corp, bioengineering billionaire Erica Soares creates an incredible breed of eight-legged creatures with all the meat and muscle humanity needs to survive. But will we survive? The Spider-Soul. Uh, moving on, we have a uh, 2D shoot-em-up called Spider-Source. It is made by WayForward. It's a 2D shoot-em-up in the veins of Contra. So you run and gun. You play either as a rock star or as a police in training. You can play co-op, it's on the same screen, you get to walk left to right, killing spiders sore hybrids. So it's like spiders and dinosaurs combined together for, you know, like a freak show. And it's actually a cartoony, comedy kind of game, styled after like a 80s cartoon series. So you got, I think, about 6-7 levels to play through with the bosses at the end. It's pretty simplistic, like... You actually get different power-ups as you go through the game. Like you get to summon a web to as a grappling hook so you can cling on two ceilings. You get to climb up walls. You get to double jump, which is very, very important. And you can dash as well so that you're a bit invincible towards enemy fire and get out spider webs. And it's actually kind of fun. It's about five hours long or so if you want to play through because the game can get very, very challenging. You'll die a lot because of the enemy difficulty and the bosses' patterns and whatnot. You have to get used to it. And there's even a speedrun mode and an arcade mode where you have to play through the game with just one credit. I mean, you can get as many lives as you can, but if you die, lose up all your lives, you have to start all the way from stage one. So if the game is familiar to as Contra, it's because it's made by the same developer who made Contra 4 for the Nintendo DS back in the 2000 era. So it's quite a while back, Last. So <laughs> the art style looks quite nice actually. It's the very company. cartoony, yes, yes. Yeah. It's a way forward style of doing cartoons. The game actually came out on the iOS under the Apple arcade a couple of years. But this is actually the PC, Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo Switch port. So you get actually proper controls, a proper screen and everything. So you get to play it. I mean, it's better to play this game at co-op on the same screen, you know, with two controllers offline in the couch. So it's a good experience if you like. If you really want Konami to make a shooter game like this, you just go the way forward. This Spider-Saws game is actually a good replacement. It's basically Contra, in other words. Made for 2022. And the last game I want to talk about, also from Square Enix, the publishers of Power Watch Simulator, is an RPG called Live Alive. It's a Nintendo Switch title, It's a remake of a Super Nintendo game of the same title back in 995 that never made it out of Japan. So it's actually the first time everyone is playing this game. So you play as eight characters who are in different eras as you play out their stories in separate scenarios, each of them being tied to a malevolent force that plagues their respective generations. You can play as either, like, all the eight storylines, you play as a cowboy, a caveman, where the scenario there's no dialogue involved, a psychic a martial artist, one old and one young, a knight, a ninja, and a robot. So there are different storylines and different timelines, and they all converge at the last third of the game. The game story has held the test of time, if I'm being honest. Like, not much of the script has been changed. So if you know how the last game ended in nine ninety five, you know how it ends in this one. But to see it in 2D HD and with the new soundtrack and the sort of new combat gameplay with, a new, with some tweaked mechanics to make it, more friendly for a 2022 audience, I think it's a really good way to remake the game. So I just wish it could speed the combat up a little bit. But other than that, Life Alive is a, is a JRPG 2D jam that everyone should at least play. Yeah,
0: looks looks old school, but I think yeah, based on the story of the game, it looks pretty interesting. So I worth think checking the-
1: out. I think the old-schoolness is because it's trying to match what it was back in 994, 995, but with the, you know, a bit more easy on the eyes, it's a bit more shading, and they got that, that filter technique to have for the HD 2D kind of look. And also the soundtrack is done by Yoko Shimomura, who did the soundtrack for the original game. So you know when she remasters it and remakes it, it's going to stay true to the original game with some changes here and there. So it's pretty awesome, like... Uh, the combat itself is turn-based. You get to move your character around, do area-of-effect attacks and whatnot, but there's no MP or AP points to spend. All the attacks, if they're all charged up, you get to use the ability, regardless of what turn it's you're at, lah, basically. So everything is just very seamless and free-flowing. It's like streamlined so that it's easier, but not necessarily that much of a walk, push push over the play. So it's just reworked for the better. So I say if you have a Nintendo Switch and you have a JRPG you want to play right now, you can play this game. It's a, I, I recommend this wholeheartedly. Okay, fantastic. And
0: I guess uh, moving on to games uh, coming out next month?
1: Well, to preface, I okay, because it's July and at this point in recording, I haven't finished this other game, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 yet. So I can't talk about it until the next episode, which is next month. So just look forward to that review. And in terms of games that are coming out in August, we've got Thymesia, which is a Dark Souls-like game set in the... I believe in the 80s, like in the Victorian era where the plague is happening. You play a plague doctor and you've got like knives and weapons and feather dart attacks and you got to go through a bunch of like locations and scenarios that are tailored after Victorian uh, times. And you've got to deal with like plague victims, monsters and knights and whatnot. So... It, it looks pretty interesting, and it's uh, published by Team17. And then the big game that's coming out in August... Oh wait, we also got Two Point Campus, which is coming out early August. I talked about it briefly in the previous show. You manage a campus, basically, and it looks pretty fun. It's very light-hearted. And you've got like different uh, classes here and there, like night school, clown college, literal clown college, and uh, culinary classes with giant hamburgers and stuff. And then the biggest game that's coming out in August is Saints Row, the reboot. So it's an open world game that is basically Grand Theft Auto with a bit more humor and whatnot. And the remake takes place in San Ilio. It's, uh, you are forming the Third Street Saints like you did in the previous Saints Row games. So think of this game as a reboot. New graphics, new location, new casts, but the same old hijinks that you know and love. Like, Wingsuit lighting and cars that eject you outside of the seat and weird weapons and giant shotguns. I'm not sure if the not safe for work weapons will appear, but who knows, we might see them.
0: You're tuning in to GG Well Played and that was Jonathan Leo, Content Director at kakuchopure.com summarizing some of the biggest news and releases in July Head on over to their website kakuchopure.com to check out more gaming news and reviews If you'd like to listen to this episode again look for the podcast on bfm.my Our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and you can also find our podcast on Spotify Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email ggwp at bfm.my Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin, thanks for joining us game on and please take care this has been Gigi world played thank you for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes Bfm 89.9 the business station.